Hey, I'm Brenda. She, her. Uh, hey, I'm Austin. He, him. And this is Secret, Secret History, History of, of Nerd, Nerd Mysteries. Welcome to Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries. My name is Host Brenda. I'm Host Austin. And we're just going to get right into it today. Today we have a nerdy news segment. I'm glad we both knew to do that. I know! We didn't even plan that. I thought about like, be like, oh, being Austin like coordinate something? And I'm like, now we're just going to wait. We're riff compatible. At this point, yeah. All right, so this is a, maybe a new returning segment. We'll decide. But anyway. Um, something big happened. What was it last week? Was it two weeks ago? Time is so I think it was, meaningless. It's weird when you record a podcast because you're listening to this on Monday, but we're recording it on Friday. So this is today is Friday. Um, yeah. So last week, big thing happened in the comics world. Uh, DC Comics made the announcement that they were leaving the main comic book distributor Diamond. So really quick, I think we just need to explain like uh, how comics are ordered. If you don't happen to be versed in that. Um, I worked at a comic book store for five years, so I'm very well versed with Diamond. <laughs> um, not even with having to order stuff from them, just to, having to deal with them. <laughs> they just exist. Yeah. So Diamond is the big comic book distributor. So like all of your single issue comics come from this one place. Yes, it is a monopoly. And yes, monopolies are supposed to be illegal. Um, and yet here we are. So they own both. The, they are just the biggest comic book distributor, but they also own the biggest board game distributor. So that's a hell. Um, anyway, it, they stopped their production of comics in like uh, when coronavirus really like started, like when that mm-hmm. was that mm-hmm. March. Yeah, they stopped like complete distribution of books. So like comic book stores couldn't get any stuff. Um, and during this time, DC kind of started like experimenting with like new ways of getting their books out to stores and to into people's hands. Um, and it turns out they're just going to do that forever now. So things are really wonky now. <laughs> yeah, this is unheard of in modern day comics. Yeah. Uh, Marvel tried to do it, I think, a while back. Like, they made an attempt and then they um, failed. So uh, that's why, like, Marvel, all comics are solicited in this giant magazine called the Diamond Previews. But the Marvel ones, for a while, were, like, in this tiny little separate book. The book is like half the size of the big one. It's this little magazine. You can lose it really easily. Um, that was kind of their punishment for trying to leave. <laughs> <laughs> they get to go in the corner. The punishment book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's just a uh, it's a big deal because like Brenda was just saying, like Diamond has a monopoly essentially on how comic book stores get comic books to people. And it's been like that for a long time. And with that comes a lot of issues on the behind the scenes that i know a little bit about with brenda and other friends i have in the industry of just like getting stuff only from diamond means a lot of different rules and you don't have like there's no leverage you can't be like diamond you should change this because like what are you gonna do not be a comic book store anymore yeah (laughs) um like 
product will be damaged. One time they sent um, a, an, an empty Mountain Dew bottle in a box. <laughs> um, one time uh, a bag of chips, empty bag of chips. Uh, I think I've heard stories. I can't remember if this happened to someone immediately like at our store, if I've just heard a story, but I've heard of like razor blades in boxes. <laughs> so it's just like, this is an all around kind of nightmare. Um, customer service is pretty bad, so if anything ever goes wrong, which it does, um, <laughs> getting a hold of people is pretty difficult, and we had some pretty bad reps when I was, like, working at the store, so. Yeah, monopolies are bad. <laughs> they're bad. Um, and there's some legitimate, like, uh, critique of, like, how DC's kind of going about this, and I really need to talk to, like, some people who still, like, work at a comic book store to kind of get the full one, but from what I've managed to glean um shipping is kind of prohibitive for smaller stores um uh, which is a legitimate um it's a very legitimate complaint because shipping can like destroy <laughs> destroy you if you have to pay for it um hopefully this is a good thing um but the reason we really want to talk about this is because marvel's uh response to this is to release the worst variant covers i think <laughs> i've ever seen in my life <laughs> Usually a variant cover will have like and a variant cover is like a rare cover of a comic book, um, if you not you don't know what that is. But usually they'll get like really famous artists to do something like super unique or they'll all have a theme or there's like a reason for you to want to collect it. And these literally just have like the logo for the book that they are. So it's like Spider Man has like the Spidey logo. Very small, by the way. And then it just says what, it says like coming out on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, Wednesdays is the day that comic books traditionally come out, but DC's kind of like getting away from that. Um, which to me is someone who's had to unload 50,000,178 books <laughs> on a Tuesday and has been there till midnight doing that. Um, having the book come out on different days to me seems like a good thing, but uh, maybe it isn't. I don't work there anymore, so who knows? I mean, I think it's weird. Not okay, so it's like. People are probably upset because it breaks tradition, and mm -hmm. we all know how people in this country feel about their traditions. <laughs> Maybe Wednesday isn't the best day for books to come out, because, you know, a lot of people have jobs. Yeah, it's on, weird. <laughs> yeah, like on Wednesdays, like, you got, like, a lot of people come over on their lunch breaks, but if you want, like, the big books, you have to be there right when we open, because, like, mm -hmm. it'll run out pretty quickly. So, I think... You know, maybe books. I don't know when DC's releasing books, but like, I think books coming like out on a Saturday would be really cool. That would because be great. then like <laughs> kids could be included as well. Um, it's really I don't know how it landed on Wednesday, but it's really weird because like comics being a more adult thing is pretty recent in like the history of comic books. Yeah, how are kids supposed to get new comic books on a Wednesday? <laughs> like, I think. It got, it was probably some kind of newsstand thing, right? Because that's mm -hmm. where they were before. It's probably something like that. Like, that's just when, like, the kids' funny paper came out or whatever, probably. Um, yeah. But it is weird. Like, I remember when you did work at a comic shop, like, I took a Wednesday morning off to get a Spider-Man variant because I really, it was, like, issue 800? Um, yeah. And it was, like, a big deal, and it had this cool variant, and I was like, I can't wait to get this, and then I was, like, gonna get it, I was gonna get it signed, and I was gonna hang it in my office where I work with clients, because um, I love Spider-Man, and I was like, this will be a cool thing to have in my office. And I had to take, I took, like, my entire Wednesday morning off, because I was like, if I'm not there right when the door opens at, like, 10 o'clock, I'm not getting it. And that that's just, it was, 
It was a weird thing to explain to my boss. <laughs> yeah, and then I still had to call the other store. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that DC's doing it and Marvel's response is we have bad covers, keep buying our books. God, it's just like literally the laziest. They couldn't even like reuse old art or something. It's a blank color <laughs> with a logo on it and it says it's Wednesday <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it's they're not they're not good and it's it's especially weird cuz like Marvel everybody if you're not in the comics Marvel pretty much runs the market even to this day like they just have the majority market share they usually do for comic books. And so it's weird they're even threatened by it. <laughs> yeah, or like they feel like they have to be it's just so bizarre. Yeah, when you look at like the numbers every month, it's like Marvel's always at the top and then Batman's like second. And then everything yeah. else is Marvel. Um, <laughs> just Batman just crawls it's up just, there. Batman's like, I am the knight. <laughs> you can't beat me. I'm Batman. <laughs> and meanwhile, number one is like some it's and it's always like a weird Marvel book. It's like it's Deadpool versus grass number 15. And you're like, how is this number one? I don't understand. Everyone's like, well, it's the first appearance of the Rainbow Hulk. <laughs> How listen? I wouldn't be shocked if Marvel released a, a Rainbow Hulk for Pride Month. I wouldn't even be remotely shocked. Hulk says gay rights. <laughs> <laughs> How have they not made a Hulk like? Have they not done Trans Hulk? That's like literally Hulk story, right? Like he he's someone he doesn't want to be. How have they not done that story? Um, Where's Trans Hulk? Require them to get someone <laughs> to write the Hulk. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Oof. Got him. Hey. Yeah, I, I don't read a lot of Marvel books, so. Well, I haven't been reading a lot of books in general because I don't have a comic book store anywhere near me. Another problem. But hey, you've been watching some cartoons? Yes. Hey, everyone. It's time for part two of Nicktoons. Nicktoons. They're not Nick, cartoons. Nick, Nick, Nick. They're Nicktoons. <laughs> Nickelodeon. Boom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, where did we leave off last week? Oh, that's a good question. No, we weren't really working in any order, so we no. don't really need to start anywhere specific. What so, did you want to start off with? I think what I'd like to start off with is, first, this this blanket thing. There have been a lot of ter terrible people that go through Nickelodeon. Um, yes. We're not going to be bringing them up on this podcast, just because we don't want to trigger anyone or harm anyone that might be listening. Um, and we understand there are a lot of terrible people there, and we will do our best to not refer to them and not bring up what they did directly. It's hard because a lot of them have were involved in a lot of things, but we will not be naming them, not to shield them or protect them, but to not harm anyone that might be listening. Um, yeah. If you, um, but if you don't know about the terrible people that were at Nickelodeon, you you are listening to this podcast, you can Google it if you want to be educated about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Blame It on Jorge on uh, YouTube has like a couple long form like kind of documentaries if you really want to know what's up. Mm -hmm. um, also, Googling will just work. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're just going to not mention the things that they were associated. One of them is really easy because we're just talking about Nicktoon. So one of them right. we can just kind of bypass in its entirety. Um, and then a couple of the others or like shows that I didn't really watch either, so there's not mm. a ton of nostalgia. But you know, one 
one part of Nicktoons that I think we didn't talk enough about last time that it, like I was when I was reading stuff is uh I'm gonna probably say this wrong is classically Cuspo? Classy Chupo. Chupo. I do know how to say that. Chupo. Yeah, we didn't they're behind um Rugrats, Wild Thornberries, and I think as told by Ginger. As told by Ginger, Avril Monsters, Rocket Power. They mm-hmm. did they Oh pre- they they did all they it honestly it's like them and the team behind SpongeBob kinda that's what like that's what soared Nicktoons into Nicktoons, I think. Yeah, Classy Shupo had like this really unique kind of form of animation. It didn't look I'm not gonna say it didn't look good. It looked very different than anything else that was kind of around. It was super stylized, kinda mm-hmm. lumpy. Um yeah. but it's you know, it's very nineties and it really suits the shows that they were doing at the time. They also did like a lot of early animation for the Simpsons, like the very early stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's very it's very interesting to me because the so Klasky Chupo, you said? Yep. Um, was a they were a separate animation company that Nickelodeon went to. Um, but it was a husband and wife team and depending on the source, like sometimes they cite their cousin, sometimes they cite like a nephew. Um, but there was like a third person that was related to uh oh I know Klasky's Arlene. What's Chupo's first name? Oh god. Oh God! Um, keep talking. We're gonna find it. Find out. Uh, anyway, uh, these this husband wife team with other family members um, had this animation studio. They started in a spare bedroom in their apartment. Uh, and like Brenda was saying, they did a lot of other stuff for The Simpsons. They did some early animation and like commercials and stuff. And then Nickelodeon was starting Nicktoons. They're like, "Hey, you guys have good work. You worked on Simpsons. What do you got for us?" And they made Rugrats. Um, and it's interesting because Arlene was feeling pretty like not creative because they had just had a they just had their first son, I believe, or maybe it was their second son. Um, but they're mm-hmm. essentially they're being parents. They like they have two kids running around as babies and they just are feeling pretty drained. And she specifically mentions feeling like very out of it, which I hear is pretty normal for a new parent, especially new mothers. Uh and they came up with the idea for Rugrats one day when she was just watching their babies play. Like what it was, she was like, "What if our babies could talk to us? What would they be talking about?" Um, and then they developed the pilot, which is I think it's Tommy and the Great White Thing is what it's called uh, for Rugrats, and Nick Nickelodeon loved it. <laughs> and like we said, they went on to make a lot of stuff for them, um, a lot, most of their high profile stuff. Yeah. Lots of solid shows. Um, I looked it up. It's Gabor Chupo. Okay. Yeah, I remember he's... Uh, I remember the GM, like, but it's not Greg. It's definitely not Greg. <laughs> Don't Greg say Greg. Chup- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they made a lot... I mean, a lot of my favorites. Like, I loved Rugrats. I loved Aro Monsters. It makes sense that it's the same team making my favorite things. Uh, but they worked with Nickelodeon until 2007, and I couldn't find much about why Nick severed their relationship because they made just like hit after hit, in my opinion. Yeah, I think towards the end, like the ratings had kind of started, like animation, the style was changing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think around that was when there was like a lot of like uh, more flash animation being utilized, mm. uh, more different like mid 2000s style. Uh, that could be it. Yeah, like I haven't heard anything about like an ugly break i think it could have just been that like you know things were changing and they had a style and um it just didn't fit in with what the trend was at the time 
Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. It was because their last few shows were all grown up and they had a Rugrats pre-days, which was, I believe it was, it was either Angelica or Chucky. One of them like starts preschool. I think it was Chucky. Oh, yeah. I think they only made like a couple. I think that was Angelica, wasn't it? Maybe it was Angelica. I just remember Chucky was like, Chucky was like in between the babies and Angelica. Like Chucky was like technically like one or two or something. Oh, yeah, he was, like, walking and everyone else was crawling. <laughs> yeah, because he had shoes, and, I mean, there's, in the movie, he has his first word, so I'm, like, developmentally, being a psychologist, Chucky's between, like, age one and two. He's somewhere in there. Yeah. How old is Chucky? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. We know yeah. Tommy's one, because he has his first birthday in the show. Ah. Which is weird to think about, because I'm, like, he's, like, underdeveloped for a one-year-old, but you were a kid, so it didn't matter. Yeah, you don't know, like, oh, he should be walking, he should be doing this, he should be doing that. Yeah. You're just like, baby. <laughs> You're like, I'm eight, so surely he's not me. <laughs> Anything younger than me is baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> There's like a seven-year-old. You're like, wow, you're really smart for seven. You're on- you turned eight yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you're only like a month older than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I-, I thought of them because I was thinking of Rocket Power, because Rocket Power... Uh, for those who don't know, Rocket Power was a show on Nickelodeon. Obviously, it was a Nicktoon. Um, it I'm aired talking about Nicktoons. Talking about Nicktoons. It aired from 1999 to 2004, and it centered around um, this group of four <laughs> kids that lived in California. <laughs> Question mark. Um, it was Otto and Reggie. Um, they were brother and sister. And then there was their friend Twister, and then new kid Sam. And they did various extreme sports, but they were kids. They were like, again, a vague age. Twister has an older brother who's a teenager. So I assume the kids are like 11 or something, mm-hmm. um, but they like skateboard and they BMX and they surf and it was a cool show. But the biggest thing that I remember it impact me with is there's this episode where Reggie makes a zine. Oh, uh, and it's called Girl Power even. And it's a, it's her and all of the other girls in like the neighborhood like they they live in this area and their dad owns like a surf shack and so like they hang out with all these other like sports kids um Mm -hmm. and otto is on some like misogyny bullshit (laughs) this episode oh no otto (laughs) where he like thinks reggie can't be as cool as him or something um and so reggie makes like this like new clique of like girls and they make the zine about them being awesome at sports and that was just a big impact on me. I, for people that don't know, I help organize a zine fest now in my city. So thanks, Rocket Austin, Power. Austin, would you really quick explain what a zine is? Because I've had to explain it to a lot of people. I still oh, think yeah. a lot of people don't know. Also, a lot of people, it's zine. Z-I-N-E. Yes, not zine. Like, think like think like magazine. magazine. Yeah, <laughs> we, magazine. It, it really gets, I don't want to, not calling anyone out but it really gets to me that it's literally the short form of magazine. Like we have a word that this comes from. I don't. Okay. Uh, a zine is like the best way I can describe it as a small self-published work. Um, they mainly became popular to spread information that wouldn't usually be spread. So think like punk scene in the eighties, people use it to like spread music around or to spread like political information that wasn't out there. In the age of the internet, zines still get used pretty often. There was there are a few zines circulating around with like the Black Lives Matter movement. There have been zines circulating around with like 
COVID and like how it is actually going on because media may not be covering it. Um, people also do like fanzines. So fanzines have a big part in zine community. So like Pokemon fanzine where people illustrate or like write, write like a one page essay about like why they like Pokemon or I do a lot of stuff called Perzine, which is like a personal zine. So it's like just me sharing my life, usually through poetry. Uh, but there's zines are cool, in my opinion, because almost anything could be a zine, but not everything is a zine. Um, we were talking about comics earlier, and there are a lot of zine artists who become comic cartoonists later on. Um, the one that jumps to mind because I'm looking at his book has been Passmore. He did a lot of zine work, and now he's more of a comic artist. Uh, another one people may know of is Casey Novak. Like they did a lot of zine work early on in their career and now they're more of a comic cartoonist. Um, so that's like one instance of like anything can be a zine, but not everything is a zine. Yeah. Yeah. Zines are really fun. It's a scene that I kind of just recently got into. Um, Cause I was working at the comic book store and I was just like, what people just like make their own stuff. And I've been writing fan fiction since I was like 10. <laughs> so I was just like, what you can print it out and like give it to people. <laughs> like, so <laughs> Yeah, that's the coolest thing. It it being self-published, you just hand it to people. Like Reggie in that uh episode of Rocket Power, they just make it and they just start handing it out on the beach. Nice. That's awesome. Um but yeah, I just I thought of Classic Chupo because I was like, man, there are bad people at Nick, but there are also a lot of good people. I wanna talk about them. <laughs> they did really yeah, good let's work. Talk, yeah, let's talk about like in um our real monsters show is Chose to scare me, but I think it's the one I appreciate the most because, like, the monster designs are so weird, but, like, the performances from the characters, like, the voice actors is so mm -hmm. strong. It's mm -hmm. it's a very weird one, um, but they kind of leaned into how weird it was. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because I know last week we talked about, like, we weren't really into the gross ones that didn't do anything, but Auto Monsters was gross, but it was, it was like, doing something. It yeah, it wasn't just like, oh, here, we're going to be gross it was there was a lot of gross out stuff but it, it mm. had like a backbone to it and characters to it and um as the show progressed you kind of got to know these characters more and know more about their world it was cool because it's like these Arrow monsters follows uh it's ikis crumb the third uh, one the third one <laughs> she's like a weird snake oblique i love her design so much oh uh, what's it's either oblinus or oblina I think it's Oblina. Uh, keep talking. We're gonna. Um, but it follows <laughs> these these three. They go to like monster school. So think if you've seen Monsters Inc. and Monsters University, think kind of like that. They're in monster school. Um, but they but like ten years previously. Ten and, years previously. Uh, wow. I wonder if they got. Did you think they got some? I think there's a shout out in the credits <laughs> to taking the plot <laughs> of Our Monsters. Yeah, it's like, hey, Our Monsters already did Monsters University. Um, and did it better because <laughs> monsters university is a bad movie but it follows these three kids going to monster school and it's like in the it's like in the dump of this city or something uh and it's in them, the sewers isn't it yeah it's sewers like it's like the monster world's like underneath our world uh tim curry's in this show i remember that tim curry's oh, like a bumblebee or teacher? something yeah oh yeah the teacher the the teacher he's meant to look like a bee yeah Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. Uh, it's Oblina. Oblina. Okay. But it's these three kids just, like, trying to figure out their way. Uh, it's kind of like 
I always saw as like this good idea of like how you want to be an adult because the big I know the big one is Ickis. Ickis, his dad, I want to say it is. Um, maybe it's his mom. I think they actually never say. It. I think they just say he's the son of a famous monster. Yeah. Um, but Ickis is like he's like the scaredy cat. He he's really good at pumping up the friends, but he, he Ickis has anxiety. <laughs> Inkis <laughs> Me is too, like, Ickis. <laughs> Ickis is like high anxiety but loves his friends. So anytime they get into trouble, Ickis like is terrified on on what how they should get out of it. And usually it's like they need to scare somebody and he's too afraid to scare the person. And they're like, Ickis, we need you. Um and so I always resonate with Ickis because he comes from this like great, important person. Um and growing up where I grew up, like everyone in my family was like really important to the community. Like they knew everyone and everyone knew them and like my grandpa like organized all these big charities and my dad had like a million friends and I was like this small anxious child. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it just goes to show like All Real Monsters was doing something. I, I know, I don't remember if we talked about it here or if it was in private, but we both talked about like not liking Invaders M for not doing anything. Yeah, I, it, it, yeah, we didn't talk about <laughs> Invaders M, but like I think we're both on the same page as like we don't like it very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, like, some very kind of shallow commentary about just, like, oh, like, everyone's, like, stupid, and it's, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. You can say so much more with, like, an alien. It, it's not on, if, if you're listening to this and you like Invader Zim, um, it's just not our thing. Yeah, that's um, fine. It's stylized, it's got some good color direction, uh, it's just not, not for us. Um, but, what was I saying? You could do so much with, like, an like an alien character in mm-hmm. like a school environment um but it just doesn't i think uh my life as a teenage robot did kind of like the fish out of water thing mm-hmm. a lot better because she's a robot so you kind of get like the not fitting in and a lot of commentary around that um well speaking of the not fitting in though i think a show honest i think the best nick that handles it in my opinion is spongebob squarepants yes my spongy boy <laughs> <laughs> I think that show handles that so well because he's not he's not like a fish out of water. (laughs) 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 But because he's he's like with his people, quote unquote, like they're all like sea creatures or whatever. Um, Like the only fish out of water is Sandy Cheeks. But SpongeBob still has like such a he's like a difficult time relating to people. Yeah, because like pretty much everyone around him is like a type of sea animal and he's a sponge. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, he's just different than everyone, but he's just so gung-ho and happy all the time and just very earnest. And I love him. He just wants to make, he, he has such a pure optimism for like, I can even know, because Spongebob is, he's an adult and he's always read as like a 20 something to me that like just moved out. I don't know how he got a house, but. <laughs> it's like, I need to know your secret Spongebob because you have a lovely home. <laughs> But he's like just moved out. He didn't really want to go to school. He gets this job at like a fast food place with a shitty boss. And, you know, he has one really he has like two really good friends and this other friend who's like hot and cold with him. Um, but I don't know, even through all of that, he's like, I can make the world a better place by making this the best cheeseburger you have today. And that says a lot. Yeah, it really does say a lot. Like whereas a lot of characters can be like negative, SpongeBob mm-hmm. is just this ongoing um, beacon of positivity. He has like a bad fast food job. I've worked a bad fast food job. 
Um, but he does it with all his heart and he loves what he does and he loves that he can bring happiness to people. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so good. Um, Steven uh, Hillenberg purposely wanted him to be uh, like a young adult and not a kid. That was like something that he like put his foot down on. He was like, he's 20 something. Um, and Nickelodeon kind of fought back and was just like, well, he's got to be going to school or like people aren't going to be able to relate to him. Which is why SpongeBob goes to boating school. <laughs> SpongeBob, for the life of him, cannot drive a boat slash car. Um, and I kind of relate because I also cannot drive. <laughs> I mean, I think that's just like, that's because SpongeBob is our queer icon. Yes. <laughs> he can't have a job, have a house, and drive. <laughs> you can't have everything. <laughs> yeah, so Nickelodeon made this post um on their facebook last week about like their uh uh lgbt characters of which apparently there are three (laughs) you get spongebob cora and some person from a live action show that i've never seen yeah i looked into like who that was and the character himself is a cis man but it's played by a trans man so that's why Uh... they're like it counts I mean, I was like, hey, okay. It does count for sure. Yeah, definitely does count, but there should be more than three examples over the course of 30 years. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Um, and then there's also uh, the thing with SpongeBob where people were like, oh, well, SpongeBob's included, so SpongeBob is gay. And maybe SpongeBob is gay, but Stephen Hillenberg specifically said all the way back in 2000 um, that SpongeBob was asexual. And mm. you can both be asexual and gay at the same time. That's fine. Um, but you don't have to, you can be ace and also be in the lgbt community because that's what the a stands for (laughs) a stands for ace not ally hey if you're an ally and you're like a is for me no you're shut up you just stop talking um and that's always like a hot button issue like every year when uh pride month comes around whether or not asexuals are like a part of the community and as an asexual person myself i'm gonna 100 percent say yeah they belong in that community that's what the a stands for um and spongebob is one of like three asexual characters I know about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely not enough. Yeah, it's like SpongeBob, Jughead, and Todd from Bojack Horseman. Two of those look exactly the same. <laughs> they both wear beanies. They both have darker hair. They're both kind of bums. And it's just like, oh, is that what the stereotype is gonna be? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's not. Hey, if you're listening to this and you make cartoons, do better, please. Yeah. And um, although Todd, I'm going to talk about BoJack Horseman, which is a hard show to watch. I'll give you that. But mm. Todd's coming out on that show is the most accurate representation of the asexual experience of coming out. So if you just I think you can just look that up online. If you want to know what that that feels like, um, that was just incredibly accurate and it made me cry. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, SpongeBob, SpongeBob is ace. He could also be gay. We don't know. If Not that's true. your head canon, I'm gonna accept it. I'll accept it because pretty much if it's your head con- canon, it's it's valid. Yeah, and SpongeBob is went on to become a powerhouse of Nickelodeon. Um, like I we mean, said last week, SpongeBob yeah. is both the best thing to happen to Nicktoons and the worst thing to happen to Nicktoons. He's still bopping around to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, much to, I mean, reruns are fine, but a lot to some people's dismay because. Uh, Steven Hillenberg uh, passed away, unfortunately, in 2018 now, two years ago. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Um, and he had this he had this one kind of, I don't, desire, wish, like, 
he didn't want SpongeBob to ever spin off. Um, McLeolian has since spun off. There's one series, and they said they're going to make some Netflix shows and movies as well. Um, um, yeah, one? there's a show coming out called like Camp Krusty or something. Yeah. Um, which is one, a spinoff, which is something Hillenberg didn't want. And two, involves SpongeBob as a child, which is something that Hillenberg didn't want. Yeah. So looking at you, Nickelodeon, waiting for a man to die. Yeah, it feels pretty bad. A lot of people, it was, it was honestly not too soon after his passing. Like he passed away. Nickelodeon, you know, put out some morning statements and stuff. And then I feel like it was within the month. They're like, anyway, we're going to make a SpongeBob spinoff where he's a kid. And a lot of fans and a lot of his friends were like, he did not want this. And how dare you? Like he, he died. And you're like, all right, let's bastardize your creation. Thanks for all the money. <laughs> yeah. They did it so quickly that it had to be already in development in secret. Like, because, mm -hmm. like, it was so fast. It was like a month later, and they're like, here it is. Here's all this concept yeah. art and all this stuff. And it's just like, were you planning this while he was ill? Because that's absolute bullshit. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, he had ALS. Is That's what he passed away from complications of uh, ALS. He, but he kept working on SpongeBob. He got diagnosed in 2017. Um, and his ALS just progressed really quick, but from 2017 until he passed away, he was reported of, like, being on conference calls, working, drawing, uh, he did some voice work for the show, if I remember right? I feel like, yeah. Uh, so he was, he really, really loved making Spongebob. He, he's another, it's unfortunate that we lost him when we did, um, just because, like we said earlier, they, there have been some bad people at Nick, but he was a good person, and he loved making that show, and he loved making stuff for kids. Yeah, and he was very good at it. Um, I think the SpongeBob movie might be, like, one of the best Nickelodeon movies. It's a solid film. It um, really is. And for a long time, that was the last thing that he had worked on, because he took a break for SpongeBob for a while, and then eventually mm -hmm. did come back. Um, but it's... It gets like a little bit darker than an average episode of SpongeBob, which, which is what a movie should do. Um, mm -hmm. And it has like a very epic scope to it and some impressive animation, um, like a mix of live action and uh, animation as well. It's just a really good film. You know, it's not a good film. Mm. SpongeBob to SpongeBob <laughs> out of water. <laughs> I've never seen that film because I heard it was so there's a third film also. Can I tell you my Sponge out of water story? Yeah. Okay, so um, my dad worked on Sponge Out of Water in Savannah, Georgia, and on Tybee Island. Um, his name's in the credits. He did a lot of, my dad's a prop maker, so he did a lot of, like, the uh, props that were in the forefront. Like, there's, like, an example where, like, uh, Antonio Banderas is talking to a seagull, and the seagull goes into a tiny seagull-sized outhouse. Mm -hmm. My dad built that. Um, Antonio Banderas has, like, a a seafood restaurant or he, oh he steals the Krabby Patty formula he, he has a Krabby Patty restaurant on the surface and I have the um the sign from in front of that in the basement oh um because they just throw that stuff away so yeah that's so when Sponge Out of Water it was premiering in Georgia like the big not the biggest premiere but like the second big premiere to show to like the people who worked on it mm -hmm. I like it's dead of winter like february i tell my manager i'm just like hey i have to, my dad's here i am gonna go to georgia and i'm gonna go see spongebob i'll be i'll be back later so get, yes and like you know she was pretty she was chill with it she was like hey yeah cool and so i get in this car me and my dad go on this road trip 
from Flint, Michigan down to Savannah, Georgia, which is not a short trip. And um, we literally roll into Georgia and see the movie and we just like, didn't see his name in the credits because we just hated it so much. <laughs> we just get out and we're just like, well, now we're in Georgia. <laughs> and then we spent like the whole next day trying to decide if we were going to go to Disney. Um, so we didn't even notice that his name was in the credits because we just left. <laughs> so bad they cut out pretty much all of like the live action stuff that he did so he, everyone in there who had worked on all the live action stuff was just sitting there like where is it where's this thing i worked on where did it go why isn't slash in this movie anymore so that's like spongebob <laughs> spongebob a water story <laughs> i don't have a spongebob the water story i never saw it um no, i also know the so bad i also know working on a third film which is meant to be a prequel to the tv series which is just like wow guys really <laughs> i hate that uh yeah so that that's all that's sponge do you know the spongebob origin story i do know that steven hillenberg was a marine biologist yeah so he was working on a book that was never published called the intertidal zone um mm -hmm. I was going to teach students about uh, undersea life, and the narrator for the book was Bob the Sponge. <gasps> Bob. Uh, who looked, he looked like a real sea sponge, not, SpongeBob looks like a, like, kitchen sponge, which makes more sense for a kid's show. Like, you probably wouldn't think of, like, a, an undersea sponge is, like, not a nice shape. <laughs> yeah, it's like his parents are undersea sponges, so they're all lumpy, mm -hmm. um, and people are like, oh, my fan theory is that Spongebob's adopted because he's a kitchen sponge. And it's like, oh, are you theory crafting for Spongebob? Because good for you. <laughs> People theory craft for a lot of shows. I, I, got... I do too. I can't talk. I have like so many theories about shows that I just keep to myself. Like... I know Hey Arnold's a big one, which I have a little bit to say about. But um, yeah, it was Bob the Sponge. And that's where he started to develop. A lot of the ideas for Spongebob come from like the early ideas come from Bob's sponge. Like he had a friend that was a sea star. Um, there was a squid, uh, like a lot of the characters that are in SpongeBob are like things that in this book, Bob, the sponge was going to teach students about that. He just didn't develop, um, as he switched into animation. I mean, cause he worked on Rocco's modern life first mm -hmm. and then it got canceled and he started work for sponge. He started developing SpongeBob like pretty much right after. He was gonna call it um and then SpongeBob. <laughs> the... SpongeBob and Cat Dog were announced on the same day. <laughs> oh yeah, that's weird. Um the other the only other thing I know about SpongeBob that's like not like a big thing is that it was gonna be called SpongeBob Ahoy, but they got changed because that was trademarked already somewhere. And I could not find out who trademarked it. Wow, Because he was gonna Ahoy. be called SpongeBoy and it's gonna be called SpongeBoy Ahoy. Boy Ahoy! Oh, but I, I tried finding, like, Spongeboy Ahoy, and all I could find was links that, like, he wanted to call it Spongeboy. <laughs> so. Maybe the trademark labs. But regardless, we got Spongebob Squarepants. We sure did. Spongebob Squarepants. Spongebob Squarepants. It's just so iconic. <laughs> I, I don't have anything for cat dog. That'd be a good segue. But I wasn't, yeah, but a, I wasn't a cat dog guy. It's a cat, it's dog. There's this really weird episode where um one the dog doesn't take care of his teeth, so the cat's teeth are bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's awful. <laughs> oh, uh cat dog cheese nips were good. Do you remember cheese nips? I remember cheese like cat nips. dog. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't a cheese nip. I remember there was always the joke of 
there are two jokes. One about like where did they come from? The other one was like how did they go to the bathroom? I remember they had no. a they had a cat dog movie where they what? yeah there was a cat dog TV movie um, where what? it was it was going to be them finding their parents and they're coming out of the bathroom and everyone else in the bathroom is like so that's how they do it and I'm like did they all watch them poop? Oh my god, I hate that. <laughs> I don't want to think about cat dog. <laughs> Ew. Uh. If you don't have an image in your head, it was like one half's a cat and one half's a dog. Like, but there was two. He- like, think like a tube, and one side's like a cat, and one side's a dog. It was not like cat half cat top half dog lower half. It was like two beings fused together through sin and hate. <laughs> it's like they're two different personalities, like two different individual people, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Fused together into one unit. <laughs> and it's it's Ugh. routinely reminded that it's terrible for both of them. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole premise of the show, is that being cat dog is awful. <laughs> and I, <laughs> like, that's it. It's just bad. <laughs> oh, God, I hate it. <laughs> um, well, we're done talking about cat dog. Uh, do you remember El Tigre? I do. I did not watch a lot of El Tigre. I didn't either, but I did want to mention it, um, just because... I should have looked up more facts about El Tigre before I brought El Tigre up, but I always really liked the um, stylization of the animation. And the guy who created El Tigre went on to do uh, Book of Life. Oh, yeah. Um, which is about Day of the Dead. And that's, that's a pretty good movie. So if you haven't seen that, I definitely would recommend it. It's also very stylized, but it's CG. But yeah, El Tigre just had like a really good kind of style, and it really um, took inspiration from Mexican culture and uh, luchador culture and just like... Um, mm-hmm built a superhero mythos around that and it was really interesting and it was not on for very long and i don't think you can watch it anywhere but that's another one no one really ever brings up do you remember kablam i do kablam was so weird kablam was a sketch animation comedy show which that's a lot i just said a lot of words um (laughs) it's so but that's that's what it is so it was Kablam. They had it had animated hosts, which were whose names I don't remember. I can see them in my head, but I don't remember their names even a little bit. Susie and Brett. That's wrong. <laughs> That's not right. I feel like what the it's like Judy and something. I don't know. That feels better. I am gonna look it up. Um. But anyway, so Kablam was like it was weird because it was a sketch show. So usually, like sketch shows. You think of like SNL um, or In Living Color, like they're like, they're these live action things that are like a bunch of different skits with these people. And then they, they had Kablam, which was like a bunch of different skits, but it was animated. So like people drew multiple sketches for this half hour show. Um, and there are some reoccurring ones, like there was Action League Now, which got its own spinoff show. There was a Claymation one that was like a alien and a caveman. Um, oh, yeah. There was a there was like a ferret one that was a reoccurring one, but it was all of these like little sketches, and in the sketch you would get like a little bit of a story about these reoccurring ones, and then sometimes they had one offs that were just like that was it. It was just like a funny three minute joke we came up with. Um, sometimes they it, would try to do something with like a really large scope, especially with Action League. Now they would have like a big reoccur overarching story, mm-hmm. and it um, was kind of jarring when you were watching them out of order. Yeah, it was pretty weird. And then, because, like, actually now got a spinoff, Kablam, and it, they got, like, one 
TV movie, I believe, that was like the host characters. Um, Henry and June are their names. Henry and June. I'm also looking up spinoffs and uh, Angela Anaconda was a part of this. Yep. Angela Anaconda had like one part of it and then it went on to become like a Canadian animated show. Angela Anaconda, fun fact, um, (laughs) had a short that (laughs) had a short that aired before the Digimon movie. And it's like 10 minutes long. It's too long. (laughs) It's very long. We'll talk about the Digimon movie another day, but that short is too long. It's a very, and it's very Angela Anaconda. Like, so the thing with Kablam was like, all the animation was weird. Um, Nothing was this, like they had Claymation, which was not really done for kids cartoons anymore. Action League now was like these live action, action figures. Um, Kind of like precursor to Robot Chicken. Yeah. Yeah, Robot Chicken pay actually now. <laughs> yeah, come on. Angel Anaconda was like this cut and paste animation style. So like all of the characters, I don't know if they Look drew like them sin. or if it was paper, but it looked like they like cut up paper and then pasted it together and they did stop motion. It's bad. <laughs> it's very unsettling. It looks like sin. <laughs> and then the host Henry and June for Kablam were like normal animated characters. <laughs> But it, they were always very off-model. It was always very, like, sketchy and scribbly. Yeah. Um, kind of like, you know how Ed, Ed, and Eddie has, like, that varying line mm. with constantly? That's kind of what Henry and June looked like. Very Nicktoon style. Yeah. Very Nicktoons. Um, but yeah, I, I remember Kablam, like, I swear, like, four years ago when I bring up Kablam, people would look at me like I was, t- t- like, I was speaking in tongues. Like, they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, this show really happened. <laughs> this is real yeah it's kind of one of those you forget about it and then you just see like one clip of a short and it just pops back (laughs) into your head um there's a lost media rumor about this one too whereas like supposedly and this one has been proven to be fake but supposedly there was like a lost final episode that only Mm. aired once in which like henry and june like started a relationship and i'm like who made this who came up with this I feel like there, so I feel like what that's something interesting that I do miss about cartoons. Like, is the rumor mill on the playground, you know, of like, <laughs> my older brother told me if you go behind the temple at 10 o'clock in your game, you unlock about like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Me was inside a truck. <laughs> like that, you know. <laughs> Nowadays, with like, uh, especially in video games, like with ROM hacking or just with like media being kind of saved to the internet automatically, like being streaming somewhere, being available on iTunes. Lost media is like kind of more of a rare thing. It still does happen though. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's definitely like a lot more people out there who are dedicated to kind of preserving like old shows. Right. I mean, I think even just for Nicktoons, like how many of the older Nicktoons had pilots that just never aired. They may have been released in like a VHS or DVD bundle but they just originally made them and like a room full of executives saw it and that was it maybe some kids for like uh product testing there's a couple that were because uh nickelodeon also had like i think it was oh yeah cartoons where they would show just like shorts and pilots Mm -hmm. and there's a couple of shows that came from that so my life is a teenage robot its pilot was shown on oh yeah cartoons and fairly odd parents pilot shown on oh yeah cartoons those are both like easily accessible online um, my life as a teenage robot's pilot is shot for shot the first episode of my life as a teenage robot just with oh. a slightly different art style jenny had lips oh in the pilot oh no oh no <laughs> I, oh no <laughs> it looks so it's so bad um 
So glad they changed that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's shot for shot. You can literally like put the two next to each other. They were like, this is good, but please change it. <laughs> I, I'm imagining if I had been shown that for like a, what do you think? Kids would be like, hey, she got lips. <laughs> I can't know. <laughs> I'd be like, I like it, but not the lips. So if you get rid of that, we'll have a good show. And they did. It was good. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Rocket Power has a pilot that never aired. Uh, Rugrats never aired. God, I don't what know. even would the Rugrats pilot look like? Because like, that was 1989 slash 1990, most likely. Like, What did that look like? <laughs> yeah, because even like first episodes of Rugrats, like, it's cool because it's different, but it it's also very rough not rough bad like it's like rough that's like the style yeah which is what nickelodeon wanted so but i'm imagining like what a pilot looks like because when you make a pilot usually you're given very little money they're like see what you can do with very little money in little time um Mm -hmm. so i'm just imagining like what it like how more uncut it looked (laughs) i don't want (laughs) to think about rugrats looking any worse than it already does (laughs) um so I have one more show I'd like to talk about, unless you have something. Yeah, Amanda. yeah, you uh, talk about Hey Arnold. Oh yeah, it's Arnold. It's okay, him. I was like, you've been watching Hey Arnold, and we have not yet talked about Hey Arnold. Do 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 do. Um, <laughs> so Hey Arnold is as much. So I know last week I went off on I was told by Ginger. Um, but Hey Arnold of like the shows that you can still watch is probably my favorite. Uh, it was created by Craig Bartlett in. 1996 and it aired until 2004 um that's a long time a very long time it has i think it's always hard because there's like hey arnold's one of the shows like it's like segments like there's an amount of episodes but then there's more segments because like each episode of like two episodes quote unquote Mm -hmm. um it has five seasons and clocks in at about 100 episodes and it has two movies it has a feature film and then it has a there's Hey Arnold, the Jungle movie, which I don't know if it yeah. was a feature film or if it was just on Nickelodeon. I don't remember. I think they eventually, so the original plan was that Jungle movie was going to be the first movie, um, the theatrical one, mm-hmm. but it got, I think, oh, I can't remember for sure, but I think Bartlett left at that point and they went with like a safer alternative, which mm-hmm. was the actual theatrical movie. And they only recently, very recently, a couple of years ago, went back to the Jungle movie. Yeah, I know the um, Jungle movie is supposed to kick off, like, the show starting again, but I haven't heard anything since the Jungle movie. Yeah. It's like, maybe the Jungle movie didn't do good. Um, there's, like, test animation you can find, like, theatrical test animation you can find of that online, of, like, the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, but supposing they did not have that budget for the actual Jungle movie that got made. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so... What I think is interesting is this theme that kept coming up when looking through Nicktoons was a lot of the early creators cited uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse as, like, what made them want to do cartoons. Um, Because that was not a cartoon. It was not a cartoon. (laughs) uh, Because Bartlett worked on Pee-wee's Playhouse, and that's where he came up with a lot of the um, ideas for Arnold. Like, Arnold is based off of a minor character from Pee-wee's Playhouse that Bartlett created that showed up in Pee-wee's Place House sometime. Oh. Um, he actually originally made... Uh, Arnold, at one point, was a claymation test. And, that and like, the football shape was just, like, a unique shape that he wanted. Because Bartlett said when he was in school for animation, his, one of his professors, he couldn't remember who, 
told him you want the character to be unique when they do faraway shots that you can see the silhouette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, silhouette's super important in animation. Um, and that's how he came up with a lot of like, no one in Arnold looks the same. Everyone has a unique silhouette. Yeah, uh, so good. <laughs> it's so good. Like Arnold has a football shaped head. His best friend Gerald, who's uh, he's like. He's a cool black kid, but he is not the cool sports black kid, which I find interesting. I also always found it interesting, like, being the time it was, like, Gerald has the quote-unquote stable household. He is, like, a mom and a dad. They seem to be pretty well off because they have, like, a whole brownstone to themselves in the city. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's multiple floors. They have three kids. Gerald usually has pretty nice stuff. Uh, And Arnold is the one from, like, the... Arnold's white, and he's the one from, like, the... Again, like, colorful home is the term people probably have used in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he's he's raised by his grandparents. His grandparents are landlords uh, for this brownstone that they live in. Um, mm-hmm. And Arnold has more of a, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, collected, like, found family of all of these tenants. Like, everyone's pretty unique character-wise. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of, like, the episode, episodic situations comes from him, like, talking to and meeting the people who live inside this brownstone mm-hmm. like there's one episode where one of the tenants his name's oscar i don't remember his last name and he's kind of the worst he's like a, he's not great to his wife um mm. he's kind of a deadbeat he, he's very uh money like money orientated like how can he get money from people and mm-hmm. then arnold finds out that oscar can't read He's like a grown man, but he can't read. It's alluded to that Oscar's from somewhere in Eastern Europe mm-hmm. and that he came from a very tent situation there. Like he left Eastern Europe to come to America to have a better life, but he had like a very poor life there. And that's why he can't read. Like he wasn't sent to school. He was sent to work. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very touching. He, the, he ends up, he, Arnold teaches him to read like this kid's book. Um and I remember being watching as a kid and thinking, like, how sad it is that some adults get treated, like, that adults can be treated bad, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a recurrent one that people talk about a lot is the Christmas Oh, episode. God, the Christmas one's so sad. Oh, it is, yeah. But it's got a, it's got a good ending. Yes. But it's, um, he has a, a neighbor in the brownstone who was from Vietnam, and during the Vietnam War, he was separated from his daughter, um, he put her on a helicopter so she could get out of the country and be safe. Mm-hmm. But he was never, he eventually came to the United States, was never able to meet back up with her. Mm-hmm. And um, Arnold puts it upon himself to find her for him for Christmas. Yeah. And that's, it really so speaks cool. to the heart of the show. Cause like the whole show, uh, Bartlett said in an interview, like he wanted the show to be, to show kids that, I mean, like a lot of kids shows, like with the power of friendship on your side, like you can get anything done. You can make, like you can make anyone happy and find what that is if you just like work together with each other um Mm -hmm. because that whole christmas episode is like arnold and gerald like running around the entire city all christmas eve to like do anything they can to even like find out this girl this woman's name like even if we can't find her like we need to show him like that his daughter is okay um and the subplot is helga who is a girl in the neighborhood who has a crush on arnold but they're in fourth grade so she's like unable to tell him because they're in fourth grade and that's just how it be when you are someone that gets crushes uh yeah she's obsessed with like getting arnold the best gift for christmas she's like then i can tell him that i love him because i'll give him like a game boy or whatever um mm-hmm. 
and very Christmas style, she gets like the one thing they need to find this woman and gives it up. Uh, the music in Hey Arnold, I think, is what helps give the show life. It was all composed by this composer named Jim Lang. Uh, and he has this quote that I really wanted to read. Uh, so in this interview, he says, one of the great things I got from Craig Bartlett, who, did the, who was the animator who did Hey Arnold, was that one of the ways you can approach making music and composing is think, is think you're looking through, when you're writing for music for a scene, you're always looking through some character's eyes. You're experiencing it the way the character is experiencing, whether it's fear or love or joy or whatever. The picture is giving you that framework, the information, and you get to respond to it in a kind of impersonistic way. Um, which, if you've never watched Hey Arnold, every scene, the music is absolutely perfect for what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I feel like with a lot of cartoons, like music was kind of like on the back, back burner. Mm-hmm. They were like, we need some kind of music here. Rugrats is an exception to that, because Rugrats also had um, very distinct music. But mm-hmm. um Music can be like an incredibly powerful storytelling tool, and you really get to see that in Hey Arnold, where it's at the forefront. Yeah, the sad music for Arnold like gets me emotional. Um, so we talked about fan theories. So there's one episode of Hey Arnold uh, mm-hmm. with the Pigeon Man. The Pigeon. Uh, and the story Arnold has Arnold's like a weird kid. He's like he's cool and popular because he's weird he has like one of the things that he has is like carrier pigeons which (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) you know like weird kids do just a bunch of pigeons but he he has this pigeon and he tries to send off to get like uh essentially text his friend gerald and the pigeon gets hurt along the way and arnold's like oh i'll take him to the pigeon man um who is this Weird guy, he's an adult. He's, Arnold probably shouldn't have gone to him alone, who keeps a lot of pigeons in the city on, like, a rooftop. <laughs> Arnold, you're in danger! Kids, please. Kids, Arnold's fine, because it's a cartoon. If a kid's listening to this, literally never approach an adult alone on a rooftop that keeps pigeons. Just don't. Yeah, just bring an adult with you. <laughs> don't talk to a man who just keeps pigeons. <laughs> like, the world's really dangerous. Also, kids... You're not supposed to be listening to this. This is an explicit podcast. I said bullshit yeah. earlier, so get out of here. <laughs> get out of Hey, hey kids, are you not listening hey to kids. this with your parent? We explicitly <laughs> said. We forgot to say it this week, but in the notes last week, I said don't. So Don't. You can don't. read. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Arnold, the friend's Pigeon Man, he like takes him on like a day in the city because Pigeon Man doesn't do people stuff. And uh, Meanwhile, like the kids are kids and they destroy all of pigeon man's stuff because he's weird it's not yeah. very clear why they get mad at pigeon man um but at the end pigeon man gives this speech about how some people aren't meant to be with people and like he doesn't get people he gets birds and so he can't stay here anymore because he's so depressed essentially and then mm-hmm. he flies off of the roof with like 40 pigeons um and then he's gone and he's gone. He flies into the sun. Um, Just always off into the sun. <laughs> there is a fan theory for a long time that what happened is Pigeon Man actually jumped off and committed suicide, but Arnold, being a kid, couldn't conceptualize that. So in his mm-hmm. mind's eye, he flies away. Um, and I'm just here to help Craig Bartlett set the record straight. Craig Bartlett hates that theory. He's like, that's not <laughs> true. It's a. He's like, the Pigeon Man flew away. <laughs> he flew okay. away. Flew... Craig Bartlett said he specifically flew away to Paris to take care of pigeons. He was going to Paris. 
<laughs> he even shows up in one of the movies. They see him in Paris taking care of pigeons. Oh, I'm glad they put that in there. They're like, hey, he really flew away. Sometimes cartoons are just whimsical. Ash is not in a coma. SpongeBob's not in a coma. Phineas is not in a coma. Ar- also, Arnold's not in a coma. Like, that's another. Ar- I don't. Why do they put kids in? Why is it always a coma? Why can't something just be fantastical? Why can't Ash just be 10 forever? Why can't Phineas and Ferb just build a roller coaster? Like. Uh, why you gotta make it dark you gotta make it dark i don't know because like it's weird because it isn't that big themes aren't there and hey arnold helga who i mentioned earlier her dad is terribly emotionally abusive to everyone in the family her mom yeah, and her is mom is really checked out checked out chronically depressed always drinking and helga they have an episode where helga goes to therapy and she's like my family is awful and i don't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. um there's also an episode with her, she has an older sister who's seen as quote-unquote perfect, where her sister has a breakdown, um, and Helga's like, oh, well, you get to be perfect, and her sister's like, do you think it's fun being perfect? Do you think it's fun to perform every second of every day? We gotta take care of each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, the show has big themes, you don't gotta make it dark, just watch the show. <laughs> yeah, the show is, you know, serious enough, like, but it god the coma theory is just lazy just lazy like, get a better one like come up yeah. with something new it's like uh uh saint elsewhere did it and now everyone's like well that's just peak <laughs> peak writing give me like a wormhole theory or something i don't know guys yeah just figure out something better <laughs> <laughs> um, like you've got like plenty of like darker themes with the show like because arnold's parents are missing um that's like a is, aren't they missing that's like the what the jungle films about, yeah the jungle they films like, they go find them but it's alluded when you're watching the show and growing up mm-hmm. it was very much hinted that they were dead oh. because Ar- there's an episode where arnold like sits grandpa his grandpa down and is like tell me what happened to my parents and his grandpa's like they were on a flight to somewhere um mm-hmm. and their plane went down and he's like we don't know like i think arnold may may even ask him if they're dead or not and i think his uh grandpa's like i don't know but it's heavily hinted especially if like you think of other shows that have come out like the animated spider-man show still on reruns that's how peter's parents die in that show i think uh like it's in the air that like you're meant to think his parents are dead and they died in a plane crash so like it's not the show has dark themes and Mm -hmm gets heavy like that and then grandma puts on a cat suit and steals a turtle yep (laughs) also it does that (laughs) it's 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 cool to have that dichotomy and it's cool because it's um it being that show that has like segments like you get stuff like that i mean there's a whole they had one half hour special that's a valentine's day episode and you might think why is it a half hour special and it's whole it's this whole thing where arnold is like arnold really likes this older girl named ruth who's like in the sixth grade and mm-hmm. it, they have this funny scene where Gerald's like, what do you like about Ruth? And Arnold's like, uh, when she smiles, it's pretty. And Gerald's like, well, what does she like? Because Arnold wants to make a Valentine's Day crown. Gerald's like, well, what does she like? And Arnold's like, uh, you know, I don't know, but she's hot. <laughs> and Gerald's like, all right, man, uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good, good luck with that. You don't know anything about her, but okay. Um, and Arnold, in this episode, he has a pen pal that he writes, like, every month that um, Helga poses as, which isn't great. Uh, 
But oh, no. Gerald's like, why would you try and go on a date with both of them? This, you seem to like your pen pal. And Arnold's like, I just like Ruth. Um, and it's a very, it's a very sweet episode. I rewatched it recently and cried because I get very emotional easily for cartoons, not for live action, but for cartoons. And yeah, live action, I cannot cry for but like you get me a cartoon and you get kids just having like real real emotions and i'm like oh god my tears <laughs> it's so because helga i guess i can relate to helga because i had so many crushes growing up that i just was so frozen to talk to she impersonates this person and she does it so she can like so she can get the release of telling arnold that she likes him mm-hmm. um and she finally, she tells him while they're on this, like, date where he thinks she's someone else. And Helga just looks at him and she's like, Arnold, do you like me? And he's like, um, I'm not. He, he says, like, I think he says, I don't know initially. And then by the end of the episode, he says he does. Mm-hmm. But he finds out that she isn't his pen pal. He doesn't find out it's Helga because cartoons. He's like, who are you? And she's like, I can never tell you. And it's so sad even though they're just in fourth grade so like maybe they hold hands but it's like that idea of being unable to tell someone how you feel i think is something any person can relate to because it's hard Mm -hmm. yeah just talking about your like emotions is incredibly difficult um yeah that's a that's a good nicktoon that's a good nicktoon those are some good nicktoon those are some good nicktoons the there, there are some bad Nicktoons. We didn't talk about them. Yeah, because like you know, history doesn't need them. We don't need to remember them. Like <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it's like we just don't. We've got Good Boy Sponge Man, and we've got um, Hey Arnold, which hopefully we get more with Bartlett in the future, like on Netflix. Yeah, hopefully he seems. Yeah, he again. Like if you ever want to pick me up, just watch Craig Bartlett. Like draw like anytime he's in an interview he loves to draw like he will i watched him on an interview where he just drew characters from hey arnold while talking for like 10 minutes because he just loves he he's just a very positive man <laughs> i love that that's so refreshing nice well i think we've talked about all of the nick tunes we want is there anything else that i think that's it i think we've capped off nicktoons i think we've we've finally have summited the mountain that is nicktoons uh for our for for our purview i'll say that i know they still make cartoons we we're adults now and they're not necessarily for yeah. us so i'm not a I big fan had cable in a hundred years <laughs> Jeez. so and that's okay i i want to say like i know they made like a netflix nicktoon recently and they're still making cartoons mm-hmm. like they don't interest me but that's okay not everything's for me and i'm an adult and i hope that kids today are loving nicktoons i hope so because i really don't want nicktoons to die Um, i I really don't want the only cartoons to be disney (laughs) yeah i mean i don't what is disney doing oh ducktales is good yeah ducktales is good good. that's Every day in Duckburg, it's a Ducktail. <laughs> if you say Ducktails and don't do the woo oo, you will mix Scrooge McDuck will haunt you in your sleep. <laughs> I was almost cursed, but Austin saved me because I didn't do the woo hoo. Um, I think it would be fun. Maybe not next week, but like another week, just to talk about like Nicktoon movies. Oh yeah, because you remember when they would just like show like over the course. Oh, Angel's in front of my mic. Okay, he's gone. Um, over the course of like a week or a month i think probably a month like one a week feels sustainable 
they would show like a new Nicktoon movie. They were like yeah. pumping Nicktoon movies out like bananas. Um, At some point, maybe- we'll have to do some kind of big map to see like when Nicktoons was happening and DCOMs and Disney Channel like movies for their anime. Because like these, these are all... So a lot of things we've talked about on the show have all been like from me and Brenda's childhood, and these things are all happening at the same time. Yeah, um, pretty much. Cartoon Network never really got. They did a couple movies, didn't they? Like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, the movie. Yeah, and that not even Steven Universe, the movie, but yeah, they never got. I think they just like why they're like why do it when we could just make four episodes instead. Mm-hmm. The the Ben Ten Generator X crossover hour. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? I uh, yep. Okay, I, love, I love it. It's so Ben Ben. This is the last thing I'm gonna say. Ben is just completely useless for an hour. <laughs> he does absolutely shit. He the whole time he's just like, oh god, the watch is broken. The watch is broken, and it's like, hey, Rex literally can't get close to this villain or he dies. But and you're just standing over here doing nothing. Benton is. The worst superhero. <laughs> I so I love Ben Ten. Fun Ben Ten fact: when we might talk about Ben Ten if we ever talk about like Cartoon Network shows. Um, Dwayne McDuffie worked on the second series for Ben Ten. Oh, so that's why Alien, it's good. Of course, when he was older. Um, but yeah, I like Ben Ten because he's just useless. <laughs> that's he's just like I'm like the one where he's older is good. And like Dwayne McDuffie, I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> yep. Um, but even then, it's still like the watch is broken. Oh no, Gwen! What do I do? That's, oh, the watch is broken. That's the weird thing, right? Like it, they made a superhero where like he has this alien tech, and they're like, well, how do you make him have a struggle? It doesn't work right now, and that gets stale after like ten episodes of like the watch doesn't work. Well, sucks. <laughs> yeah, what are we gonna do? Oh, it's broken again. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta call Apple support or something, man. Yeah. It's like the first series, it's like the conflict is one, he's 10, so he's literally the worst. Two, the watch is broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad we kept on this. Thanks. Nicktoons discussion. In 10, my favorite Nicktoon. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, what, what Nicktoon should people go watch if they can? Oh, uh, My Life is a Teenage Robot. All right. That one's easy to watch, that one's really good. Um, I highly recommend the movie, uh, Cluster Invasion of Cluster Prime or whatever. Uh, it heavily features Eartha Kit as the villain. Nice. It's great. What one do you recommend, Austin? Oh, you know it's Hey Arnold. Uh, of course. Go go watch Hey Arnold and just feel good. Learn some lessons and I don't know. Call your best friend after. Yeah, just cherish people. The pandemic is still ongoing. <laughs> the pandemic is still very much ongoing. Uh, oh, it's still going. Who did our music, Brenda? Oh, that was Freedom Trail Studios on YouTube.com. Nice. Check them out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Nerd Mysteries. That's, that's our Twitter. You can find me, Host Austin, on Twitter at NightAU26. And you can find me, Host Brenda, at Batman and Sobbin. Uh, B-A-T-M-A-N-S-O-B-B-I-N. I just did a little jig to that. <laughs> uh, the sobbing is hard because it does have a G on the end. I have like a, I don't pronounce like the end of words very well. I've noticed this since I've been doing like uh, voiceovers for my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So I have to iterate that there is no G there. <laughs> 
everyone uh check out brenda's youtube channel and and get get more learning brenda does a lot of learning for us between here and the youtube channel yeah if you want to know more about uh animatronic restaurants um there's a video about that <laughs> and i'm currently in neopets hell uh that that's it for us i think thanks for listening yeah thanks everyone for uh, continuing to listen uh until the next mystery ruby 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 <laughs> <laughs>